OPN Ask an Angel podcasts are conversations with global angel investors and venture capitalists. We explore how to invest, understanding investment strategies, and approaches to due diligence. Join us and learn what it takes to be a startup or what it takes to invest in the next great company. Welcome to the Supporters Fund Ask an Investor. I'm your host, Jeffrey Poffin. Let's please welcome William Naya from Airbowl Capital as our investor today. Welcome, William. It's a real pleasure having you join us. Thank you, JP. It's, a, it's an honor to be part of this forum. And uh, for us, it's, it's great to uh, have a, a platform to amplify our message and to uh, be part of this community, which is um, obviously a very important part of the uh, VC ecosystem. I love it. Well shared. I might have to use that as our new introduction, but uh, I, I enjoy that. It's great. And I agree. This is uh, it's a growing world and being part of this startup community is it's not just in your own country. It's literally global today. And I think it's exciting to be part of all of these different global communities and being able to share uh, what we do and how we all do it. So it's uh, it's pretty exciting to have you here today. So the way we love to kick off the show is that we want to dive in and learn a little bit more about yourself and, and how you got started and where this all came about. And, you know, we're going to go all the way back to uh, your Goldman Sachs days and even probably when you were working for General Motors. And I, what I love about your background is that you've worked for some heavy hitters. And being in the finance side, I think it's really exciting to dive into this because I do find, and I'll probably say this on every podcast that I get to interview someone that is in the financial space. They tend to really understand startups. Uh, I find that when you're in the banking sector, you get faced with a lot of businesses and having that background really does help you distinguish between the, I will say the successful or the ones that are uh, family style businesses versus, versus scaling businesses. So I'm excited to dive into that. And then one thing about you that nobody would know. So I'll turn it over to you, William, and uh, please share away. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I've been fortunate to have had the opportunity to, um, uh, you know, move uh, quite a bit around the world and to have obviously worked for, for some great companies. So, um, look, I, I am I am from Colombia. So I grew up in, in Bogota. I went to a university in Bogota. And uh, yeah, you mentioned I work for Goldman Sachs like for, and for General Motors. General Motors was my, my first job uh, out of university. Uh, where you know I, I worked closely with the with the CFO and and it was my first uh, approach you know basically to the financial world, um, but um, soon enough I I moved uh, to the US so um, as many Colombians do and many other people around the world they go to the US uh, in, in in search of better opportunities and 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 you know you know looking to have the opportunity to also study in some of these great universities that are in the US and I had that chance I moved to Boston. Uh, I did my master's in finance, and uh, right after that, I, I engaged Goldman in New York, uh, where they gave me a, a fantastic opportunity to cover Latin American banks uh, as an equity uh, analyst. And so I covered uh, banks in Brazil, Mexico, Argentina, Chile at that time, and I did that for a few years, which I enjoy uh, thoroughly. Uh, but then I fell in love with uh, with a French uh, lady, and we got married, and we uh, we moved to London. Uh, I guess you know, for her it was uh, easier to be closer to home, uh, and so I moved to London, uh, where I also you know had a huge opportunity to launch uh, coverage of many emerging markets um, out, of, out of London, uh, particularly Turkey, Russia, South Africa, um, always covering the financial sector 
always scoring uh, financials. Um, and so, uh, you know, my, my perspective uh, was complemented by not only covering different companies, by obviously uh, companies in different countries. Um, and then uh, as, I, as I continued basically that, uh, that journey, um, Goldman uh, offered me the opportunity to move to, uh, to Dubai to uh, open the equity uh, research uh, division there. Uh, and and so I, I I had the opportunity to again extend a little bit more my regional coverage to uh, look at uh, Northern Africa to look at the Gulf. Um, we we had also the opportunity to participate in a couple of IPOs, uh, and so it, it was it was a great great experience. But uh, towards the end of my tenure there, I guess as as it happens with many sales analysts, I started to play with the idea of moving to the buy side. Um, and and I saw this, or, or I was um, lucky enough to uh, to get in contact with this uh, large asset manager here in, in Switzerland, where I lived uh, ten years ago, uh, which is Gam Investments, uh, and they uh, ran a global emerging market uh, um, a platform uh, out of Lugano here in Switzerland, and it, it was a great sort of a transition for me into the into the buy side because it was covering emerging markets, which obviously is is something that I love. Um, and, um, and, you know, uh, investing, uh, a big portion of the portfolio in, in financial companies. And so, uh, I moved here to Switzerland. I started covering, uh, global emerging markets, uh, and it gave me the opportunity for the first time to start looking at Southeast Asia. Uh, and, you know, I think that was my first approach to, uh, private markets, not because I was investing in private markets. But because out of all the emerging markets that I had covered in my life, this was the first one where uh, the private uh, market was was so active and so strong that it basically uh, was quite difficult to miss it, right? So even though I was investing in, in, in listed uh, equities, you know, every now and then I would run into a company that was doing something exciting in fintech or logistic or whatever. And so I, I was, I, and I was completely new to me, even working at Goldman, I had never really uh, encountered this world before. Um, and so, um, uh, I was asking myself, you know, why this is incredible. Look at all this action happening in Indonesia, Thailand, you know, why is this not happening in Latin America? And so, uh, and this was about 10 years ago. And then soon enough, I started looking at a few companies, particularly coming out of Brazil that were starting to to list in new york and i participated in a couple of ipos of fintechs like you know Paxeguro and stone great great transactions and it really opened my mind to a completely different environment um and so i started to you know again going back home and getting closer basically to uh to colombia uh and right now obviously the the venture ecosystem is 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 mainly centered in latin america around uh, this axis formed by Mexico, Colombia, and Brazil, right? And so I, I that that's that's how I got here a little bit, you know, the journey that I followed. Uh, one thing about me that not many people know, perhaps, is that um, um, you know when when I was in Colombia, uh, very little. I I lived uh, a few years in the jungle. Uh, my father was a. a, a uh, an officer in Colombian Air Force, and he was posted in a base in, in the middle of the jungle. And um, 
And I was lucky enough to, or unlucky enough to actually uh, get uh, malaria. So <laughs> I, I, I have really experienced emerging markets in, in every single possible way. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And well, I'm going to say your story is awesome, but I'm sure getting malaria was not one of the highlights, but uh, it does sound <laughs> uh, pretty interesting. Uh, just out of curiosity, when you had it, what was the, what was the outcome of it? What is, what is malaria? uh cause was it um you you feel very weak you are uh you know uh, you have fever of course uh i was i think i was like 10 years old so i was little right and so it was not a great experience i guess the best part of it it was that i get to stay home so i i miss school like for a few weeks <laughs> while i recovered and so yeah but uh other than that it was not it's not a pleasant experience but i think you know I, this is the first time that i'm sharing this is actually something very personal i don't think you asked me you know something that probably yeah. people don't know about me that's one of those things <laughs> no that's uh that's a, a great share and and you yeah it's an experience right and i, I guess like every 10 year old kid would be pretty excited to get to stay home regardless of the outcome i'm sure uh battle through <laughs> anything just so you don't have to go to school so uh, it's awesome um, I want to kind of go back to a couple of things that you said, and and one of them is, and and obviously in the financial world, your experience going in different markets is awesome. It's very rare that you get to talk with someone that's been able to be an analyst in so many different markets and learning what they're what's going on in those markets and seeing where these companies are going IPO and then being able to jump into them uh, across the globe. So when you talk about emerging markets. Maybe you can share a little bit more about what that definition means to a banker on what emerging markets are, because I'm sure there's a little bit of a difference from a startup to an IPO when you're looking at what an emerging market is. Can you kind of share where that is and maybe even share a little bit more about where you see these emerging markets today? Excellent. No, absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, emerging markets. Um, that is obviously the technical definition, uh, and and it is you know a market that by certain financial standards and and macroeconomic metrics um, is in uh, the process of of uh, achieving that kind of development that you see in in you know uh, in the West right and and in the developed markets per se right obviously um, so so that's that's like the boring definition right but I think you know. If an emerging market is 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 that place, right, where um, you can see the very early days in some cases, not so early in others, but you know, in the way of actually um, becoming uh, a more uh, sophisticated and and obviously, um, um, I guess, uh, resilient, you know, uh, society and economy, right. Um, we take for granted in the West, you know, the kind of benefits that we have because we have achieved those kind of uh, um, uh, landmarks, right? But uh, in emerging markets, obviously, uh, everything is being built. Everything is in the process of of getting uh, to those kind of standards, and and that's and that's what it is, right? Um, obviously, where do you find emerging markets? Emerging markets are obviously centered in, in three kind of pockets, right? You have Latin America. Um, most of Latin America is there, even Chile that uh, is, uh, is a little bit more uh, advanced still is an emerging market, right? Uh, then you have obviously Southeast Asia where Southeast Asia is, is, is uh, the quintessential emerging market, right? Even, 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 even China is still, you know, obviously an emerging market, right? 
Um, and then, you know, there is EMEA that uh, incorporates uh, that part in Europe that uh, obviously is, is still emerging, uh, particularly the, the, the East uh, and, and, and encompasses obviously all Africa and, and, and the Middle East, right? Um, so it's almost all the world, <laughs> apart from obviously North America, Europe and Japan, you know, and Australia, I guess, you know, every single other market is an emerging market. So it's, it's, it's quite exciting, you know, that that uh, we have quite a lot of choice, right, to 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 look at when investing in emerging markets, uh, that there are many places that are very different. The dynamics are very different. But the common denominator, of course, it is that every single one of these markets is striving to actually um improve their standards and obviously uh, looking at the West as, a, as the template. So it's almost becoming that when you have an emerging market now today, it's kind of like decentralizing the way we look at the globe. So I think maybe pre 20 years ago, everything was very um, self-grown. So you had to be in the market in order to learn that this market was now going to be emerging. They're putting a lot of money in, they're putting a lot of time in to build up startups, build up companies, build up an ecosystem. So those were efforts that were being made into these different regions. So you start to see this happening, uh, as you said, a lot more in Central America um, and other areas where they're starting to put the effort into it. So you can kind of start to vision those that in the next five years are going to start to get a lot of talent and a lot of skills. So, you know, Google just put in some 700 million into Kenya. So now they're going to start looking at that in the next few years as an emerging market, because you're going to have financial uh, whereabouts that are going to help drive the economy. They're going to start driving more people, making money to start creating their own companies. So now you're going to start making that that next tier of a company that's coming out. So when you start to decentralize this entire environment, which is globally putting everybody up to the same speed, you know, TikTok is decentralizing music. Now everybody can be a music um, uh, artist because they've got platforms that allow them to do that. So is that the same kind of thing that's happening in these markets where you're starting to see uh, startups and companies being built in all of these different sectors uh, that you never imagined would have happened this quickly and all together at the same time. So it's almost too much at the same time. And has this become a problem that financially it, it becomes unstable because you have so many merging markets, as you mentioned earlier, that you can't keep up with the amount of companies and the amount of uh, businesses that are thriving because of the environment they're in? Yeah, no, of course. I mean, um, I think what what is important, very important to to recognize is that uh, uh, investors uh, around the world are, are always in the search for growth, right? Um, and, and and growth obviously uh, uh, is is happening uh, in emerging markets. That's where the growth is going to come from, and and has been the case for for quite a while, right? Um, and what is interesting now, particularly with what we have seen uh, in in the last uh, few decades, right, um, with technology, is that. Uh, Technology has made uh, access to that growth um, uh, more democratic, right? So you know, it was in the, at the in, in in previous uh, decades, uh, access to capital was the the, the primary uh, driver of 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 this growth. Now, obviously, you know that is complemented with talent because uh, many people from emerging markets are obviously having access to to the same kind of education and the same kind of uh, uh, professional uh, development that you've seen, you know, in, in developed markets. Uh, but then everything is being uh, amplified with technology. Now, obviously, companies in in, in Colombia uh, 
can uh, create uh, apps, you know, that can compete uh, in certain uh, uh, industries with with companies in the U.S. Right? I mean, that has never been done before, right? Uh, and so, what what I think is becoming you know, increasingly interesting in emerging markets from that perspective, right, is that um, we have uh, we have the ability now to um, to create companies that can compete at a global um, at a global uh, basically uh, uh, base um, when without having to spend you know decades right and 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 huge amounts of capital you know to get there right and, and that is revolutionary right so you know that that was one of the the reasons why you know we we I find I found quite interesting you know to move to to private markets right because. Uh, if you if you will, you know, uh, listed markets, even in emerging markets, become a little bit boring. <laughs> they are identical to what you see, basically, and and then there are a lot of limitations, right? And the, and the dynamics are are different, right? Um, so you know, moving to to private markets, you you see this new environment, which is quite uh, you know revitalizing, right? You you see all these entrepreneurs that are doing amazing things. Um, and, uh, and that is so gratifying, right. And, and so, um, it is, it is something unique that is happening in emerging markets. And I think is new since like, uh, 10, 15 years ago, this is, it's a new development. So with these emerging markets and taking the background that you have and the things you did with Goldman Sachs and being able to move around and go into these different sectors, different countries and start to, uh, piece together what's going on in this environment. Do you find that you're able to kind of see where that next upcoming emerging market is because of your experiences? Or do you go back to that you can grab all this information online now? It's pretty easy to figure out. No, look, I mean, uh, it's very interesting that you ask that because, um, again, as I as I mentioned before, what really opened my eyes, uh, at least, you know, to this uh, world of, of prior markets was my experience investing in Southeast Asia, right? And, and, and again, I think Southeast Asia is like probably 10, 10 years ahead of, of Latin America in terms of development of, 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 of venture capital, right? And so, you know, by looking at Southeast Asia, you, you pretty much have a crystal ball uh, into, uh, that you can use to actually see what could work, what may not work, or how things are going to evolve, right, in Latin America. Um, and so, and so that's fantastic. So, you know, we, we have that experience and, and I think, you know, I'm completely sure that, you know, in a few, uh, uh years, Africa perhaps is going to move into, into that, into that, uh, situation, right. Hopefully, hopefully it's gonna, it's gonna be there. Right. Um, th there are different aspects, uh, and, 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 you know, Africa is a little bit more complex in the sense, you know, that. Latin America, uh, you know, uh, the culture of all these Latin American countries is so homogeneous, right? That makes it a, a block that is um, uh, quite easy to to um, uh, to use to leverage all these applications to launch, you know, um, uh, startups that can reach a scale quite fast, right? Maybe maybe Africa, you know, given those those differences, is going to take a little bit longer, you know, to get there, right? But but maybe it's the next frontier, right? And so, yeah, I look, I, look, I, I think uh, through the development of, of emerging markets, um, uh, and, and you know, is is you can talk about this, you know, for 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 hours, right? Because uh, I, I, you know, I, it goes it goes in cycles, right? And the development of these emerging markets is not really linear. Uh, at the beginning of the '80s, I think the 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 real emerging markets were actually in Latin America, 
but these Latin American countries went through a massive debt, uh, you know, uh, issue, right? And so they took, you know, decades to recover. And in the meantime, Southeast Asia uh, took a lot of uh, um, uh, speed, right? And and then and and the, and they developed quite fast, right? And they replaced pretty much in the map of emerging markets, Latin America, uh, throughout the, the the last few uh, decades, right? Now it's sort of like you know, Latin America is coming back uh, and uh, is trying to find again a place within that, that uh, uh, you know, economic uh, sphere, let's put it that way. Um, but uh, if you ask me, yes, I mean, of course, I think, you know, especially in private markets, Latin America is where the action is. Because I think obviously, you know, there is, there is less competition. Uh, there is uh, more uh, 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 opportunities to invest uh, in an ecosystem that really is growing very, very fast. So the universe, you know, has grown exponentially in the last 10 years. And so now we are at that tipping point where where things are really getting exciting, right? Exciting, right? So, so I think, you know, look, uh, again, yeah, Southeast Asia, a little bit more developed, Latin America catching up. And I guess, you know, the last frontier would be Africa. Awesome. So taking that that concept of uh, merging market and what you're seeing in Latin America, do you, do you feel and is there a driver that with media getting behind this as creating this merging market, do you think that what comes out of the end result of this is that in order for these merging markets to really take off, that they require a lot of outside investment? So you've got a lot of people that are also seeing this and they're saying, wait, I got to get capital into this country. Um, let's take Chile or uh, Mexico, any of these business uh, countries right now. And they're saying, look, we've got lots going on here. It's affordable. People love living here. And now they're getting flooded with a lot of people from COVID and everybody else driving in to want to live there. So you're bringing in dollars. But now there's also this whole environmental uh, investment environment that wants to jump into this because there are getting the educations getting up there. Infrastructure starting to change. Governments are putting money in there. So do you think that that is what really is going to set this apart from an emerging market is that other emerging managers are going to start dumping money in because they see this and that's the only way this will really kick into high gear? Yeah, look, I think there are there are several aspects there. Um, I, I think... It is often the case that, unfortunately, uh, local investors uh, look outside, you know, for diversification because they think about diversification mostly uh, in a geographic, uh, you know, uh, sort of way. Um, and so, and so, unfortunately, you know, in these early stages, we often see that most of the uh, the players, right, in in, in these private markets are, are uh, external funds, right. Uh, and it, it takes some time for for this industry to develop because, uh, of course, for these funds that are based in the U.S., in Europe, and in other parts of the world, right? Latin America it, it only adds a little bit of of spice to their portfolio, but it's never really the core of their portfolio, right? Uh, and so the role that naturally uh, domestic investors should play, right. Is replaced by, by these external funds, right. That, that again, you know, are not looking primarily at Latin America as their, their with, with the, the objective to build a core strategy. Right. Um, but I think, you know, also it is true that, that private markets and VC in particular are asset classes that are relatively new, right. Particularly VC. And so, this is something that is taking some time to be understood, to be digested. And I think, you know, with time, 
even domestic investors will realize, right? That, uh, you know, VC, even when, when, when deployed uh, domestically, could play a very important role from the point of view of diversification, right? Uh, not only because, you know, um, the correlation with other asset classes is so low, but because you know what really plays a very important part uh, in 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 unlocking value in this in this in the industry is the application of technology, right? And technology, of course, is is just creating new markets, and that obviously is the ultimate uh, diversification play. And so, yeah, I mean, look, I, I think the important thing that every single investor is realizing, uh, you know, domestically or otherwise is that uh, we are living through a, a changing paradigm. Every single industry is being uh, uh, digitized, right? Uh, digitalization really is the driving force behind all this new economy. Uh, and especially in emerging markets, right? The what, what you see in very different verticals is that, um, you know, these, these companies are going from, from uh, the donkey to the rocket. <laughs> basically uh, uh, you know skipping every single uh, step in in the middle uh because technology is enabled enabling them to do that right and and so the growth that that you can generate through that transition is monumental right and so the opportunity to actually participate now uh in that in that transformation economic transformation is is enormous and 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 so you know, so I, we have had so many discussions with many family offices and uh, many high net worth individuals in Latin America that perhaps were, were not very aware of this. And now they're starting to think that that is even, you know, obviously uh, a little bit uh, uh, shameful not to uh, have exposure to that, right? And so, um, and so that's great. And, and I think it's happening. And I think, you know, uh, we, we are at a point in Latin America where, uh, you know, wealth standards are 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 really, uh, you know, improving to a point that it could enable the deployment of many very successful applications, and which are at the end, you know, even uh, uh, as a virtue circle, reinforcing, you know, that that same trend, right? And so, uh, yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's something that is going to take some time, but I think initially, just to answer your question in a few words, is mostly about external capital, you know, supporting this development. Um, hopefully, you know, motivating more domestic involvement uh, from from the uh, from from the you know uh, family offices communities in, in in Latin America. No, that's a that's a great answer. And, and does that also mean that with the foreign dollar coming in and supporting and making investments, even if it isn't their bread and butter coming into Latin America? Is that also opening up the domestic dollars, the family offices to start taking more risk because they're seeing that others are coming in and risking in their in their environment? So it's opening them up quicker uh, to make uh, more, I wouldn't say leaps of faith, but just looking at this environment and saying, okay, you know, we never would have invested in startups or we never would have gone into this asset class. Maybe we should because uh, this group just came in and invested um, 10 million in this company in Colombia. So do you think that that's driving a change in the environment as well? No, definitely, definitely. I mean, of course, you know, when you see the, the likes of uh, Sequoia, you know, uh, participating in some of these uh, larger rounds, uh, typically in la later stages, not, not really at the pre-seed or seed level, but later stages. But when you see those big names, uh, participating, obviously that creates uh, a lot of attention, right? And that and that de definitely drives interest. And and then and then 
at the very minimum, it makes uh, wealthy, you know, institutions and investors in, in Latin America question why, you know, uh, they they should not be more involved, you know, in this kind of um, asset class, right? So that's that's definitely true, and 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 we have seen uh, uh, in several locations, um, uh, you know, uh, wealthy individuals asking us, ah, look, have you, what do you think about this transaction? What do you think about that? You know, so that generates a lot of uh, buzz. Um, but um, but I think you know uh, also what is uh, interesting is that um, um, all the uh, all the other um, uh, funds. I, I'm very sorry. I, I, something happened here. There is some music coming in the background. I'm gonna try to switch this off. <laughs> the beauty of Zoom. So, but uh, yeah, I'm sorry about that. But um, but yeah, look. I mean, I think the 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 other interesting thing also, you know, it also happens the other way around, right? Because you know we've seen a, a few very successful um, VC managers in Latin America. Unfortunately, there are just a few examples uh, that have uh, unlocked massive amount of value uh, in a few transactions, like you know, recently on Nubank, right? Where you know. Uh, the company was IPO for more than forty billion dollars in in New York. So this is obviously uh, makes makes uh, creates a, a huge amount of uh, interest in in the industry. And so it's also attracting more and more external managers to actually also reconsider whether or not their involvement is enough if they need to increase their presence in the region, right? And then you have obviously a likes of SoftBank that, for better or worse, you know, also have uh, participated quite. Um, uh, in a quite important way in 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 the in the VC market in Latin America, and that also is well known and perceived, you know, around the world, right? So th this is happening, and of course, yeah. I mean, th the more the more we have like mainstream uh, players coming and 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 participating here and and unlocking value in the region and and showing to the world, you know, what the potential is really to transform and to generate value, then the better, right? And that's that's for sure. Agreed. No, I love that. Now. Taking back, and we talk about this quite often, and taking back to your your past again as uh, running through Goldman and, and all of these different groups all the way up to where you are today, uh, you talk a lot about asset classes. So maybe you can define a little bit about what this diversification of asset classes really means to you, uh, because I think a lot of investors or a lot of startups, you know, they're always told to focus, do one thing, be the best at it. And then everybody else in the financial world saying, hey, you need to diversify because if something goes wrong, you need to be able to have assets here and assets there. So what does this really mean to a founder or to anybody that is working in these emerging markets? What am I looking for? What do I need to be cautious of? Or what do I need to be really driven towards and start moving towards? Um, and obviously it comes back to asset base. And I think today in the last, I'd say last three years, asset-based anything has become crazed. Like everybody, an NFT is an asset. So maybe you can define what these asset bases are and then what people should be looking out for when uh, they are diversifying and if they should be doing this as a startup or not. Yeah, look, I mean, I think from, from the from the investor perspective, uh, the, the the classic asset classes, right? I mean, are the kind of obvious ones, right? So you have you know, fixed income and equities and commodities and 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 maybe a little bit of FX, right? Uh, but that's pretty much it. And and as we have seen recently, they all are uh, correlated to a certain extent. Uh, and so, you know, uh, th there is not really one asset class that you say, okay, look, this asset class really is providing a, a, a me with a with a hedge, right? 
uh, that nothing is completely uncorrelated, right? But that at least would not be as affected as other as the classic, you know, asset classes. And, and VC is, is is one of them, right? And so and so I think you know, uh, and it's one of the only ones that I know. I guess private markets in general, but VC in particular is 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 a is a great is a great. Uh, uh, diversification um, strategy, right? Um, so that is from the, and that's something that is not well understood and that is not well known. And uh, that, you know, I think people don't really um, appreciate enough the, the role that technology plays in this, in this, um, in this dynamic, right? Because technology really is the one that is making sure, you know, that the, the, the founders and the companies that are tackling these opportunities uh, can grow uh, at different rates, right? Uh, disconnected pretty much with what is happening in the broader economy. Why? Why? Because they are creating new markets. They are innovating. They are uh, uh, in, in, in many ways um, uh, providing solutions that are optimized to, to problems that that we have in 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 the in the broader economy, right? And so and so that is that is something that is not very well uh, recognized, right? Um, fr- from the from the founder perspective, of course. I mean, you you also need to to understand that uh, um, you you play, you know, a, a small part within a, a larger ecosystem, right? And that uh, even though you know it is true that you are a little bit disconnected from the broader dynamics, uh, there are certain aspects that are critical, right? And I think you know one of them is really access to funding, as we are seeing right now, right? And when financial conditions uh, tighten, then then it affects everyone. And and it is true, you know, that obviously there there is a a, 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 a bigger implication, you know, uh, for for the for the startup ecosystem, right? So it is not that it's completely disconnected, you know, from 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 the economy or that is operating in a vacuum. Of course not, right? Uh, but you know, having that in mind, the, the advice that we always give uh, founders is, you know, you have to be very careful, you know, about, you know, what, what, what is your wrong way, right? Uh, when the cycle is, 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 is right, then you obviously have to take the opportunity to, to extend that wrong way and to have enough money, right? So you can run, run the, the, the cycles, right? Um, and so, yeah, I mean, look, I mean, those are the two perspectives that I would, that I would bring, you know, from, from the investor point of view, really, Venture capital is it provides an unparalleled, you know, opportunity to diversify. Uh, you cannot put, you know, a significant part of your portfolio there. But even if you put only five, ten percent of your portfolio, then you are adding great diversification, and, and that's something that is not well appreciated. And from the founder point of view, really be, be mindful, you know, that that obviously you are part of a larger economy, and that funding is critical. No, and I, I love that because you are explaining no matter what, however you skin the cat, diversification is something that's needed. And looking at these uh, alternative asset classes that are going into emerging markets and doing things that you could not imagine yourself getting into can be beneficial, especially if you're getting into the right fund or the right area. And this brings up arable capital and what you guys are doing. Can you share a little bit more about the you're raising $30 million uh, you're going after Latin America. Is that all Latin American countries? Do you have a specific group? And now, what what is the expertise that you guys are going to bring to this uh, to this new market that you guys are driving out? Absolutely. Now, look, I mean, I, I, we 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 saw this opportunity, like I said, because we we really think that Latin America is is uh, uh, learning uh, a lot 
from what has happened in other emerging markets in BC in particular, Southeast Asia is really the crystal ball here. Um, and th there are really three countries that are driving the development of VC in Latin America. Those are Brazil, uh, Colombia, and Mexico. Uh, if you aggregate those, those three uh, countries, they provide probably about 80% uh, of the deal flow that you see. Uh, there are there are other right uh, very interesting uh, startups that come also from from Argentina, uh, from from Chile, from 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 Peru. But really, you know, most of the action is centered uh, around Mexico, Colombia, and Brazil. Um, and also, if you look at uh, all the, uh, the the ecosystem, the the universe is probably fifty percent fintech. So there is a lot of uh, a, a lot of um, action, you know, in that space. Uh, and that has a reason, and it is just because you know banks in Latin America have not really done properly their job, and and services poor, and 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 half of the people have no uh, that do not really have access to financial services, right? So the opportunity there to to play a role is huge, right? And so about fifty percent is fintech. Then you have uh, everything that has to do basically with with uh, e-commerce and and logistics, and and so all these applications that are trying to optimize the supply chain probably taking take about another quarter of the market so you see a lot of startups uh you know in in last mile in in warehousing in uh, fulfillment all these kind of different applications in the in the in the supply chain um and then you have you know basically verticals that are uh, in the main uh, playing in the in the trying to tackle the main problems in latin america so healthcare so you have e health education e education uh, the real estate market, which is you know uh, terrible, right? So uh, prop tech is 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 has a lot of potential, right? Um, and those are the verticals that we that we that we target. We we tend to, and this was more by um, by luck than by design. We tend to focus a lot on on fintech and logistics, we ha which happen to be the two largest verticals, just because I have a lot of experience in fintech, and my brother, who is my partner. Uh, in the fund is is an expert in in IT, and we can talk a little about uh, later about his experience, right? Uh, but uh, what what we're trying to do is 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 look operate where where there is very little competition, which is at the seed stage. Uh, like I said, there is a lot of uh, larger funds, international funds operating later stages, but not many really venture into the seed stage. And so, and seed stage in Latin America is not really homogeneous, right? I mean, you have on one extreme those companies that you know barely have an MVP, right? That are trying to actually prove or test their business model. On one extreme, on the other extreme, you have companies that are scaling that have you know revenues that go from 100k to a million dollars, right? Uh, and that are primed to 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 start thinking about launching a Series A in like 12 to 18 months, right? After they close their series. Uh, the seed series, and th that is where we operate, right? And so, what we think is, look, there is a huge opportunity to back these entrepreneurs, uh, to help them, right, in the development of of their of their projects at this at this stage, by either a um, sort of a, uh, yeah, taking them by the hand in the in the uh, design of all their digital architecture, which is something you know that that all of them are. Are in uh, are embarked in, in in that process, right? Uh, and and we have that kind of expertise. My my brother has that background, right? He he is an entrepreneur himself. Uh, he you know spent uh, thirty years working uh, in uh, different uh, organizations in the U.S. Uh, uh, helping other companies uh, 
with optimization uh, issues in the supply chain, right? He worked for for NASA, uh, doing some deep research uh, and participating in a few of the of the missions uh, that took rovers to Mars, right? So he he really understands technology and he really understands entrepreneurship, and so we think, look. We can offer all, all that expertise at that stage when when it's really you know when, when it's really needed, right? And on my on my end, obviously, I come from a from a, a traditional asset management investment banking background, right? And I can provide all that financial support, you know, that that many of these entrepreneurs need, and especially you know when they need to connect with external capital markets, which obviously they don't have that kind of uh, expertise and connection, and so we can facilitate that in many cases. We're happy to, so. The idea with Arable is, is tap into an opportunity. There are thousands of startups at the seed stage that need this kind of uh, uh, expertise, um, not only money, right? They need they need that kind of help, right? And we're happy to do that. Uh, we're happy to basically help and, and get involved as much as, as the entrepreneurs allow us to, right? We don't want to really be an imposition, right? Um, and uh, and we invest in mainly on those three countries uh, and, and in in rounds that are uh, the typical seed rounds in Latin America, which are between 500k to a million dollars. There's been a little bit of inflation that has been deflated in the last six months, so we're coming back to the natural rounds, which are really around one million dollars. These companies do not really need more than that to to scale their 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 their, their project to to successfully launch a series a series A. So, so yeah, that's, that's, that's what we do. I love it. And uh, I did see that your brother has a very vast background, not only from NASA, Sequoia, uh, CTO, he does a lot of amazing things. So I think you guys have uh, really put together a strong, a strong team. So very exciting on that side. Uh, we're going to kind of transition now in, into maybe we'll do a quick case study. If you could share what it takes to be an entrepreneur, maybe share a story of working with an entrepreneur and what it went through. It could even be your brother, but what they just went through and how they really show and exemplify what it takes. And, you know, entrepreneurship's mm -hmm. not easy. So I'm sure you've got a, a great case study of a company that just went from almost failing to crushing it. But uh, anything you can share, <laughs> we'd love to hear. Yeah, no, we we have examples for sure. And we have a lot of scares as <laughs> well that we can, we can show. But, uh, and, and and all those all those learnings are, are precious. Uh, but I think just in general, I think you know what what really uh, what really makes a great entrepreneur are, are a few common factors, right? That that we that we tend to find in this in this in this amazing you know uh, people. Uh, and I said you know one of one of those is that they they tend to have a unique a unique insight, right? And so you have this this person, you know. I mean, most of the ideas are that way. This person that that went to Latin America and tried to from the U.S. right and 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 tried to basically rent an apartment and renting an apartment in Latin America is a nightmare, right? Uh, you have to have uh, someone that 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 signs collateral for you. You have to, uh, you know. Uh, fulfill all these requirements that are completely insane and and if you're not wealthy enough or if you are not uh, a part of uh, a certain circle or if you're a foreigner right it is just really hard to actually do this kind of thing so then obviously this person came there and say look this is a huge problem right he started thinking about it thinking about the solution thinking about the problem right and so he he acquired a unique insight into this 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 issue right and most of the entrepreneurs that we that, that we find that are very very successful is because they have seen uh, 
due to their particular circumstances, due to their particular experiences, they have seen something uh, that is that is quite important. They have really spent a lot of time uh, thinking about it, and they, so they have acquired this unique insight. Right, that that's one thing. Um, the other thing is that they're really, and this might sound like a cliche, but it is really true. They're really team builders, right? So you know, I, I, I have not seen yet. I mean, maybe some there are some examples out there, but I have not really seen yet an entrepreneur that has been successful uh, that hasn't been really good at building a team, right? And that is assembling, you know, a team that that works well, uh, and very importantly, you know, that that you do it with very scarce resources, right? So it's not only building a team, but you have to do it really with with very very few resources, right? So. Team builders are are definitely something that we look for. We really spend a lot of time trying to determine whether this person really is a, is a good team builder or not, right? Um, another thing I think is data focus, right? I mean, the the, the entrepreneurs that are that we've seen that are very successful are, are very data focused, right? They are constantly looking at the organization inside and outside, trying to build uh, uh, tools, you know, that allow them. To actually make better decisions, right? We spend a lot of time through our, uh, you know, interaction with 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 these companies, trying to uh, make sure that they that they build uh, uh, systems that allow them really to to uh, to uh, you know evaluate you know the the development of their of their projects, right? So uh, all those that are really data data focus are or being data focused is a, is a key component, right? Uh, a key feature that makes someone successful, we think, right? Um, and I, I think finally, I would say one, one thing that that is a given, and I don't know how to translate this in English, uh, maybe it's, it's an entrepreneur that has grit, right? You have to have someone that really, uh, in Spanish, there is a word that is called berraquera. You have to have berraquera. You have to have, you know, this this motivation, this drive that really makes you bulletproof uh, through adversity because you're going to have the world, you know, going against you uh, and you're going to be basically most likely be against the ropes many times, right? So you have to be able to to bounce back and 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 by sheer you know motivation and 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 force you get out of this and and continue, right? And so we we try to really find out if this person have this kind of characteristics, and and uh, and when you find this person, it's quite obvious that you know they they have it, right? Even you have it, you have it or you don't, right? I mean, you can see it. This is it's quite visible, right? So, um, so yeah, those I think you know are four, four common characteristics. It's like the common denominator. You see that in every single one of these entrepreneurs that that, that are successful. Those are great. I love it. it's it's barracada. Is that what you said? Barracada. Be- <laughs> barracada. Exactly. Yeah, you, you know what? It's uh, I, I call it the fifth gear, like the Michael Jordan fifth gear. So in this case, it's grit. It's all of that, and and I love it. Focus, team builders, and unique insights. Those are four great uh, common factors for startups and for entrepreneurs to to look forward to and and be if they want to have this uh, successful business going forward. I love it. Uh, we're going to transition now into our rapid fire questions. Excellent. <laughs> All right. So this is how it works. I'm going to, you pick one or the other. So the question is you coming from an investor standpoint, and then you choose which one fits best for you. Okay. All right. So here we go. Uh, founder or co-founder? Founder. Unicorn or a four-year 10X exit? 
unicorn? Tech or CPG? Tech. Uh, NFTs or Web 3.0? <laughs> Web 3.0. <laughs> AI or blockchain? AI. First time founder or second, third time founder? Second, third time founder. First money in or Series A? First money in. Uh, Angel or VC? VC. Board seat or observer? Observer. Safe or convertible note? Safe. Lead or follow? For the time being, follow. Okay. Equity or interest payments? Equity. Favorite part of investing? Meeting incredible people. Uh, number of companies invested per year? Around 15. Okay. Preferred terms? Uh, any preferred terms? Not really, but we always tend to ask for uh, most favorable nations. Okay. And then just to reiterate, two qualities a startup needs in order to stand out to you. They need to have scalability and uh, they need to be near the inflection point. Perfect. Okay, we're going to do some personal questions. Okay. Book or movie? Uh, movie. Uh, Superman or Batman? Superman. Restaurant or picnic? Restaurant. Five minutes with Bezos or Oprah? Uh, five minutes with Bezos. Mountain or beach? Mountain. Bike or run? Bike. Big Mac or Chicken McNuggets? Big Mac. Trophy or money? Uh, that's a hard one. Uh, money. <laughs> Coming from a finance guy, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm guessing that uh, the trophy one would be good for um, maybe uh, a soccer game or this, something. This is, 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 is personal, right? You ask me <laughs> professional, that would be different. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Beer or wine? Wine. Camera or mobile phone? Mobile phone. King or rich? Hmm. King. Concert or amusement park? Uh, amusement park. Fortune cookie, birthday cake? No, birthday cake. TED talk or book reading? No, book reading. TikTok or Instagram? Hmm. Instagram. I'm the, I'm the older generation. <laughs> Facebook or LinkedIn? LinkedIn. Most famous person that pops in your mind? Margaret Thatcher. Oh, nice. <laughs> it's a different answer. One of, one, like one, of, one, of my, one of my heroes. One of my heroes. Okay. I like that. Uh, favorite movie and what character would you play in the movie? Favorite movie? Uh, yeah. You look at one of my favorite movies is Forrest Gump, and I would play Forrest Gump. <laughs> I like movie. it. Perfect. Uh, favorite book? Uh, it has to be a Colombian one. Cien Años de Soledad. A Hundred Years uh, of Solitude from Marcus. A Hundred Years of Solitude? Yep. I'm going to have to check that out. Uh, from Gabriel Garcia Marquez. It's, uh, it's, our, it's our own uh, Noel Laureate. All right. I like it. There was a, uh, when I was in Colombia, there was a, um, a famous artist who built the... Um, I guess those round shapes, the big, large round shapes. Okay. Um, oh, what are they called? They were like people with, they were like uh, big, big, uh, like a soccer ball on top of uh, 
a big massive sphere and they were placed all over the city. I'm not sure if you uh, was this it was this in Medellin or in Bogota? Yes, in Medellin. Yeah, no, look, the, the, it's a very active uh, art scene, and I'm afraid, you know, I, I I have missed quite a few of these latest ones, right? So I don't uh, okay. know this one. I don't know this okay. one, but you know, it's uh, it's interesting that that yeah, no, I, that you that you picked that up. Oh, I love the art scene. So I, everywhere I go, I take street art photos. Uh, um, big massive fan of that, and I do go to a lot of the art. Excellent. Art exhibits. Excellent. So yeah, big fan, big fan. Medellin is a great place for that. No, it was. Medellin was awesome. Um, okay, uh, first brand that pops into your mind. Coke. Which one? Coca-Cola. Coke. Okay, okay, okay. Um, favorite sports team? Uh, this has to be a local one, so not people would know that. America de Cali. Soccer team football, in Colombia. Football. Yep, that's from my from my from my teenager years. I I, I disconnected after that, you know. So <laughs> I have not become a, a Real Madrid fan yet. <laughs> uh, okay, I do know the I do know the of the name of the team. I'm much. I'm pretty sure I haven't seen them, but I do watch when I travel. I do watch local football matches too. So um, another yeah, uh, America fan of that, is so. one of the was one of the main of the main uh, teams in Colombia and. They were very successful at the time that I was going through, uh, you know, high school and university. So yeah, that 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 it is closer to my to my heart because of that. <laughs> ah, that's cool. Awesome. Uh, we're almost there. What is the meaning of success to you? Um, to feel accomplished. To feel that yeah. you have accomplished whatever you set out to do. Uh, so whatever that is, I mean, it doesn't have to be. Uh, monetarily speaking you know or in terms of uh, i mean it can be whatever you want to do i mean if you want to um if you can only feel accomplished because you wrote a book or you uh, played an instrument or whatever that is right i mean yeah that's the when when you set out a goal and you are you, you you accomplish that that is the best feeling in the world i love it okay last question what is your superpower my superpower uh, endurance. I can, I can uh, do something for a very long time until until I get it right. <laughs> so <laughs> that I think is a, is an important uh, characteristic to have. <laughs> that that sounds like it uh, ties in well with Barcara. Uh, your uh, Barcara exactly Berkera. exactly. And and it's something that definitely you have to have if you really want a BC operator, <laughs> because uh, you you're gonna have to you're gonna have to uh, you know be patient and and persistent. <laughs> Otherwise, uh, you're probably not gonna achieve what you set out to do. <laughs> no, I completely agree with that. Um, that's amazing. Well, William, I want to thank you very much for joining us today. We learned a lot. I took lots of notes. And I think uh, the audience got a lot out today and, and certainly um, Airball Capital is going to be doing some great things in the future. And we're excited to, to see how that unfolds. But thank you again for joining us today and for sharing. And uh, on that note, um, we like to give you the last word. So anything that you want to share to the founders, to investors, I turn it over to you. But again, thank you very much for all your time today. Thank you, JP. No, it was uh, it's a privilege to be part of this uh, conversation. I really enjoyed it. Fantastic forum. Um, and I think, you know, look, uh, to all uh, investors and, and founders out, out there, I think uh, uh, 
this time is a is a great time. You know, I don't despair because financial conditions have tightened and we have economic uh, times that are a little bit more challenging. I think you know, this is a great time to actually be making investments in VC, of course, um, to really uh, sort of uh, move aside this value conversation that was so uh, annoying in the last uh, few years, and you can focus really on value creations instead and 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 transformation um and growth and so and so i think you know it's a it's a great time to be in this in this uh industry and we encourage anyone that wants to share ideas to contact us and to um uh, you know even if it's only to discuss the industry william how can they get a hold of you that's a great last point how can someone get a hold of you where where should they excellent arrowcap.com probably the best the best place to find out about us how to contact us how to uh, you know, uh, learn a little bit more about what we do. Uh, or you can write to me, William at arrival.bc. I love it. William, you're a good man. Thank you very much for sharing today. Uh, we will have you again on soon, I'm sure. But thank you again for your time and having a wicked, awesome week. Excellent, JP. Same to you. I appreciate it a lot, uh, the window that you gave us to to share our, our thoughts and, and our, our experience. Thank you very much. You bet. That was great. Great discussion with William. And I love that, you know, just to kind of go back to the things that he talked about from what makes a, a great entrepreneur. You've got unique insights, team builders, focus, grit, uh, barakara. Hopefully I said that correct this time. Uh, scalability and the near inflection point. I think those were all valuable points. And I do like the last dialogue that he shared about creating value creation instead of it fighting back against the value of a company. Now today, hopefully the way the markets have reset, we can certainly focus on uh, building new companies and building out uh, great new tech and supporting it and creating value for the markets. Uh, great background, uh, amazing how he's been able to, to certainly move his way around all the different markets and, and build into these emerging markets. And I think there's going to be a lot of success, uh, as he mentioned, in the Colombian, um, Mexico, and uh, Brazilian markets. So they're the next merging markets for sure. Um, again, thank you very much uh, for joining us today. If you enjoyed this conversation, please feel free to share it with your friends or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and or Stitcher. Feel free to share an audio or video clip around our show. We may include it into one of our future podcasts. You can find us at marketing at openpeoplenetwork.com. Your support and comments are truly appreciated. You can also check us out at supportersfund.com or for startup events, visit openpeoplenetwork.com. Thank you and have a fantastic day.